Hey everyone, welcome back to the Improv TX Comedy Network. If this is your first time checking out the podcast network, we appreciate it. Please head over to your favorite podcast app, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, or iTunes, and give the Improv TX Comedy Network a like. And just a reminder, the Improv TX Comedy Network is live on YouTube with all your favorite comedians on the improv stage. All links can be found in the description. And with that, on to the podcast. Hey everybody, it's Duck, just here to say thank you so much to all the guests we had this season. What you're about to listen to is the best advice from season one. That's right, I asked every single comedian what their advice would be for up-and-coming comedians, people who are just starting out, people like myself, and they gave amazing advice. So we're going to go down the line, each comedian, and we're going to hear their advice for up-and-coming comedians. Thank you to each and every person that was on the show. I really appreciate it, and we will see you in season two. Episode one, Dan Danzi. What is your advice for up and comers for people like me who have just started? I'm only like six months, eight months in. You know what I mean? Dude, I'm going to tell you what Patton Oswald told me when I was five weeks in. I went to go see, uh, I think it was, yeah, it was the Werewolves and Lollipops recording at Cap City Comedy Club in Austin, Texas. So you're on that recording? I mean, I'm not, I mean, no, maybe. I don't know. I mean, it. (laughs) I don't really, I mean, I don't know. I've never really listened for my laughter because that was four. I know the shows were packed, all four of them. Mine was packed. My dad heckled the feature. That was weird. Uh, <laughs> uh, that was such a bad night. But yeah, I got to talk with Patton after the show. And I was like, do you have any advice? Hit the stage as much as you can. And, and really, when you're six months in, that's the only thing you can do. Be true to yourself and, you know, have integrity, have dignity. Don't be quiet and let people walk all over you and stuff like, you know, value yourself as a person. A lot of people in comedy swallow a lot of crap just to get a gig. And it doesn't have to be like that at all. I mean, now more than ever, I feel that comedy is everywhere now. You can start a stage at a library. Uh, you can start a show. <laughs> Just be genuine to yourself and, you know, don't think about success or fame. Just think about that next joke. Think about that new joke. And as far as like, because a lot of people, they don't get what they want, which is success or fame, and they quit. I'm telling you, as 16 years, I have one TV credit, maybe. I don't even use it anymore because it's so old. But for 16 years, like all I ever wanted to do was just this art form. I don't I don't want a Netflix. Special. I don't want to work the road every weekend. I work my own schedule, you know, like there is no wrong way. There's only the way that makes you happy. And don't let others tell you, like, oh, you're doing it the wrong way. Well, no, my goal is just to, like, live comfortably, have a house for me and my wife. And, you know, if every once in a while someone wants to me to get on stage and tell jokes, okay. I'll go tell jokes. I'm not expecting like someone to be in the crowd and they got a TV deal with, hey, you want to be on Colbert? No. <laughs> that's awesome, dude. That's Just awesome. Be... That, that, stay I think sober. That's... Stay sober. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, this advice is coming from the person who made all the mistakes over and over again and got forgiveness and, and found that second chance. And that's that's the thing, man. And, you know, I'm sure there are people right now that have made mistakes and they were they were they are in the same position I was in. A lot of it is being self-aware as well. Put yourself in other people's shoes. Someone bans you. Put yourself in their shoes. Look at yourself from their point of view. 
Time heals everything. And I'm a great example of that. But in order for time to heal, you got to heal yourself. That's as simple as as that gets. And you got to be honest with yourself, too. I had to be dead honest with myself over, over the clubs that had banned me. I had to drop that, oh, everyone's against me. You know, it's all them. I had to drop that. And I went, no, you got drunk, said some stuff you shouldn't have said because you were drunk. And then this was the consequence of that. And that's why this happened to you. So you got to apologize to who you got to apologize to who you got to apologize to, which is the eighth step. And you just got to be better, be a better person, you know, be somebody you would look up to. That's awesome that you came that far in your journey and you realized that. And thank God you did, too, before something bad happened. I'm very thankful I did not go through the through the uh, uh, detox detoxing. Uh, what's it called? The DTs. Mm-hmm. That was gone. Yeah, I didn't I didn't go through severe alcohol withdrawal. And I was very, very lucky. It was like a cloud hanging over my head in my first couple of months sober. Like, when's this going to happen? But really, all it was is just like, you know, I would just be staying up late. But then that started Twitch, you know, and I'm a big believer in everything happens for a reason. I couldn't tell you if it's God. I couldn't tell you if it's the universe. I'm too small minded to grasp (laughs) whatever this is. The only thing I know that's real is me and how I interact with the environment around me. And I'm very lucky because like also throughout this journey, I've met you, you know, our buddy Jake, our buddy, you know, all these mutual friends that we have that I love and that I cherish. I love having that. I love that comedy gave me you guys. And I I love that more. Like if a Netflix deal came to me tomorrow, I'd still be like, yeah, but the best thing about my life is the friends I've made. You know, I agree with you 100 percent. That's for me. The podcasting network has been that it has been the friends along the way. Plus, it gives us something to do that's productive and it's fun. Episode two, David Jessup. I want to close by asking this. People who are looking to get into comedy, or people are looking to getting into being creative, whether it be music, be art pieces, doing animations, all the stuff that you've done. What would you say to them? What is the first step? And like, how do you really get into it? And what is your writing process like? So I'll answer the last question first. Writing process is life happens. I'm not a writer. I'm not funny enough to come up with stuff on my own. Life just happens. So when life happens, because life is the funniest thing in the world. There's truth in comedy. One of the lessons Dean had us do once was he had every day you write down three things that happened to you that day. And it doesn't have to be funny, just things that happened. You were late. You got bumped into. You got yelled at. You ran a red light. Just things that happened to you. But as you start writing them down and you just do it every day, you're like, oh, that's actually kind of funny. Oh, that's interesting. And you start seeing that there's material in there. And so that's my writing process is life just happens. Uh, and do you ever sit down to write or do you just wait for those no. aha moments? I just and... wait for those aha I, I don't have, man, I don't have the patience. I don't have the discipline to write. Anytime I've tried to write, it's been awful. It's not been funny. And everyone's different. There's comics that write all the time and their stuff is brilliant. I'm not like that. I, life has to happen. The other day, you know, my wife and I, when we first got together, she knew I had like a crazy past. And she, and we, so we first started dating. and she goes, you know, I'm not a swinger. So don't, don't ask me to be a swinger. And I was like, okay. And I was like, well, listen, I don't like dancing. So don't ever ask me to dance. And she's like, okay. Well, the other day she goes, Hey, there's a swing dance. And I, said, I take. And I was like, well, if we're swing dancing, then we're swinging. Yep. <laughs> you know? And so, so that's something that, that, that happened. 
you know, it wasn't something I wrote. So yeah, um, what I would suggest again, any art form you're doing, take a class, look at a tutorial, you know, look at what people do, find somebody you love, don't copy them, but just watch how, watch how they do it. So like if you're doing stop motion, like I do, there's tons of tutorials out there. The other day, I, I, Bobby Frisky, my, my good friend and new boss, he sent me a tutorial, man. It was a simple little technique of you have a character, right, with eyes. Take a laser pointer and you point that laser pointer into the eye of your stop motion character. Now it looks like his eyes are glowing. So simple. You don't have to rig up a light rig. You don't have to have lights going into it. You literally point a laser pointer at it. You know, so it's stuff like that. And then just do it. That's the main thing, man. You have to do it. And it's going to suck at first. Like I told you, it took me a year to get to the point where I, my art, my stuff I had been doing was sellable. You know, it took me three years before I ever got paid to tell a joke. So it's going to take a while, but you just keep on doing it and it will happen. If you're good, it will happen. I always tell people this about comedy, like people that complain about not getting booked. And it, and it sounds kind of harsh, but it's true. It's like, if you're funny, you'll get booked. If you're a comic who's been doing comedy for four or five years and you're not getting booked, you're not funny. That's just the bottom line because clubs... Bookers want funny people. If you're funny, you'll get booked. Hundred percent, I agree. And if you're that. if you're a jerk, you won't get booked. <laughs> yeah, or sometimes they do get booked. That, that they they do get there. booked if they have a following. But yeah. eventually, what happens? I spoke to a very smart manager at a uh, very good comedy club in town. I'm not going to say his name, but he told me once. He goes, you know, comedy is like uh, an escalator. You're going up, and then also you come down. And he goes, when you're going up as a jerk, but you're bringing in tons of people. Sure, we'll book you. But when you start not selling out the club and now your career is going down, guess who we're not going to book? But if you're nice and you're cool and you're easy to work with and you're not selling out, we're still going to book you because you're easy to work with. Now, you might not get booked as much, but we're still you're going to we're going to work with you. But if you're that jerk that goes over and is mean, rude to the waitstaff and you're not selling out the room. Yeah, it matters. It does. Episode three, LG Linwood. Your motto is, I just want to be funny. Where does that come from? Like I say, when I, when I first started, for a hobby, I was a power lifter when I first started. So I was a really, really big guy, really muscular guy. So when I would come in, I would always get that, you know, oh, he think he's sexy. He think, like, nah, 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 nah. That's not <laughs> what I'm trying to do. I, you know, I just want to be funny. Like, I don't need the cools and all of that when I come up on stage. I just want to be funny. So that's where that started from because I, I, I started to realize in the game, comedians are really sensitive people. You got to kind of make the, the other guys comfortable in order to be able to work with them. So that was that was my little moniker that I, I, I would go by. Like, hey, I, I don't want your girl. I just want to be funny. Yeah, I, I just want to I just want to come in and be funny. And that's really how I live life. Like I ruined a lot of relationships because I, t I just want to be funny. <laughs> you know, when it's time to be serious in a relationship, I cannot help it. What you see on stage, that really is who I am. So when you say I'm, a, I'm ahead of a lot of people, it's because, like I say, I didn't watch it. So I don't have any influence. I'm not trying to be anybody else. Sometimes when you listen to guys when they're new in comedy, they sound like the, the top guy. You know, yes. they'll have the Kevin Hart, Katie, yeah, yeah. Or, the, or, the, or the Cat Wheel, or whoever the top guy is that, that had it, that sound. And I don't have that because I didn't start studying comedy until after I was already in it. You know, it's guys that I really appreciated once I got to see their comedy, like Patrice O'Neill and Dave Chappelle mm -hmm. and, and, and uh, Tom Segoria. 
and all of those guys. Like, I really appreciate their comedy, the, the blue collar guys. I love what they do, but I'm not, I'm not influenced myself in, in what they do. Like mine is, is really cut from who I am and where I'm from. You know, comedy is about being able to relate to people. So because I was in that accident and sometimes my neck and my back are really killing me, I sit down on a stool most of my, my set. So when, I'm, so when I'm sitting on that stool and I'm talking to the audience, it's, it's, it's like we're sitting around at work in a break room talking. <laughs> I love that. I love that you do sit-down comedy. But it's stand-up, but it's relaxing. You know, Celebrity also does that. Uh, he sits down during his set, so that's pretty cool. Episode 4, Lamar Jones. But the thing is, usually people who blow up on social media don't have the talent to withstand it. They usually, it's too early. They haven't paid their dues. They haven't done 13 years in comedy. They don't know how to do it right. Right. And you'll see, like, they'll get booked for two or three years, but then it falls off. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Absolutely. You- and stand-up, it's a different ball game. Social media, I've, I've known a ton of comics that have built their social media, and they still ain't working like that. And not only that, I, I want to be at a space where, and when it goes to a stand-up comedy, it's where other stand-up comedy, other stand-up comics can say, hey, listen, I like this guy. I work with him. And funny. I want to give him work. Or you build that relationship. When your peers respect you, I think that goes further in your career because now it's like you're not someone where they can look at you and be like, I don't, I don't know who the hell this is. Yeah. And, and and not only that, it's I would rather the respect for my talent, not to say that I just want to be a guy that's, you know, you know, mean to people or, you know, treat them in a negative light. But I think when when comics, when they're talented, respected, it gets more value because now you're looked at as an artist versus those that just building relationships based off. Oh, I'm trying to be friends with this person or I just want to be buddy, buddy. And and that's fine. But when you on that stage, that buddy, buddy system don't matter. (laughs) It don't matter who I've been on the road with. It doesn't matter who I may have uh, worked with. The audience don't care. You have to be able to perform. And the audience know the difference between a person that's good and a person that's not good. <laughs> I don't give a damn what audience it is. They know the difference between a quality show and a eh, you okay. Yeah. I'm not, what was his name again? Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. The whole journey of comedy, man, is it's a wonderful journey for me. You know, it's it's all been a learning experience. It's like you say, you've you've been around and seen me, and I remember tons of years of me going to open mics week after week after week after week. And you know, I was just happy when I was just able to make a few people laugh. You know, and you know, I, not to say that I'm doing arenas or anything like that, but it's it, I I say this to all comics, like enjoy that process. I remember. You know, being signing up for different open mics and you sign up at five, the door is open at seven, <laughs> you, you, the door is open, your name is bumped down the list, uh, <laughs> you go up literally at two in the morning, mm-hmm. no one's there, and you get up and go to work and do the same thing the next day. Yeah. 
it's such a heavy time investment. Uh, Not only that, monetary investment too, because you got to drive there, you got to get there. Oh my god, the amount of money you spend on food—yeah, it's ridiculous. To be alive for five minutes, truly be up there and be doing your thing is totally worth it. And and the 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 worst thing about it—we've all done—is where you in a room and it's none but comics. <laughs> it's the worst. <laughs> you've literally been there eight hours, yeah, and nobody's there but comics. As soon as you get on stage, all the comics leave. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's ridiculous. Or or they heckle you, which oh, is yeah. also wonderful. Mm-hmm. Or they just you know, it's just one of those things where it's 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 such a weird club to be part of, but it's a wonderful club to be part of. So like all the things people say about it like are great. But like you said, you touched on like there's a lot of pitfalls in it. Too, oh, yeah. So, oh, yeah. So you got to stay away from that stuff and just focus on being funny. Episode five, George Red Speaks. One of the last things I wanted to ask you was for comedians who are starting out, like people like me who really have no idea what they're doing, what would your advice be to them? You know, you didn't take the route most taken by comedians. You definitely plowed your own way. What would you suggest to them to get started? First, you got to be in love with it and obsessed with it. And and the longest you're in love with it, you have to totally immerse yourself in it. And to tell you the truth, I don't think none of us have it figured out. You know, and I've only been doing it five years. So, you know, I, I'm still to another comic. I'm at the very beginning. You know, I've hit a marker, you know, a five year marker, you know. But I think the only thing that where I've seen success because I've seen success and failure, right, is knowing that failure is a big part of it. This is all about trial and error. This is about hitting your head against a brick wall, like literally. Oh, that's not brick. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, like so many times, you know, and learning from failure. Failure is our greatest teacher, you know, and just staying consistent. I, I've always put it like this. Like uh, I read this in some book. I don't know what book it was, but like uh, captains that, that, that steer ship, right? When a storm would hit and they would get lost at sea. They always had the North Star. The North Star would let them know their position. They would be able to find their way home. So your vision and your goal, right, if you want to be a comedian or whatever it is that you want to be, it has to be your North Star because no matter what happens, I know that if I'm going the right direction or I'm going the wrong direction. When I'm at a crossroads, it's very simple when you have a vision in front of it, right? Because you, you could say, I don't know what to do. But if you say, if I go this way, it brings me one step less closer to my vision but if i take this direction it brings me one step closer to my vision then obviously that's the right step motivational speaker that's what you are too. <laughs> i watched some of your videos earlier man they were yeah. definitely motivational like you were getting in there and and saying positive stuff and it's all positivity and wow. and real real too you were kind of dropping it like if you're not going to work for it it's not going to happen so yeah. episode six angela walker do you have any advice for upcoming comedians? You've already given great advice, but yeah. like if somebody's just starting out, like me, I'm my first year in. Yeah. What would you say to do? What would you would you say is the number one thing to focus on? Be true to yourself, for one. I've seen so many people try to emulate somebody else or do something else, or like even like I've had. And the minute you say F- it, and I'm just gonna be me, that is when things change. And I understand, like, for some people, like, it doesn't necessarily come natural, right? So you're trying to find your place. Even when you're finding your place, stay authentic to yourself because the crowd can read when you're just... I I know I can tell when someone's written a joke and when someone has been given a joke. And that's on all levels. Like, I can tell because it doesn't seem authentic to that person completely. So 
to me, I feel like do not get in the habit of putting anything in your body before you go on stage mm-hmm. that you think you need it to get on stage. Right. That's how you get bad habits and get addicted to stuff. I've never done that. Like I've always, if anybody asks me, if you drink, don't have more than two drinks before you go up. Maybe a shot or something like that. But do not get in the habit of getting blasted and messed up and you think that's the only way you can get on stage. That is a terrible habit because what's going to happen if you have an interview or an opportunity to do a show last minute and you don't have that time to prep up for that? You're going to feel like you're going to bomb because you don't believe in yourself enough. You believe in that alcohol or that weed or whatever. You believe in that more than you believe in your own material. So give yourself that opportunity to believe in yourself. You know what I'm saying? Drink water and mind your business. (laughs) Don't get into the all the extra stuff and if someone gives you some advice no matter if it's good or bad take it if you feel that it is not beneficial to you take it out like i've never don't be afraid to get criticized and take the criticism take it to your benefit you know what i'm saying because somebody might be telling you something to hurt you like you know and see where the message is coming from because some people some of these comedians are are it's cutthroat it's very cutthroat so if they see something in you that you don't see in yourself they will try to push you away from your purpose. And that's what I'm saying. And also, if comedy is your purpose, think about it. Am I doing this for the money? Or am I doing this that when I look on that stage into that audience and I see this person with their arms folded up and they're mad and they had a bad day? I mean, I literally look for those. And then all of a sudden, I start seeing them just start leaning back. And then all of a sudden, they put their hands down. And then all of a sudden, they're, they're laughing. This one woman after a show told me, you know what? I lost my mom last week. And when you were talking about your mother, or you as a mother, that reminded me how much my mother loved me and I want to thank you. Or someone will say, I didn't want to see tomorrow. Like, I, you, don't, you don't know what mission, how important comedy is in this world. This world is so freaking hateful. And the whole purpose right now, I don't know if you realize this, is to divide us. If you believe it or not, the powers to be, the higher powers to be, they're not for the regular person. And they would rather us argue about our skin color, our preference to sexuality, our beliefs in religion. If we can keep them separate, then we can we can keep we're, we're ants right now. We're just scattered ants and just but if we were to unify ourselves, hey, I, I promise you I have friends, I know they have a Confederate flag in their truck. It's still my friend. Because I know that's who he is. And he knows who I am. And we can respect each other. And know that we have different beliefs, but I still respect you as a person, as long as you don't step on my toes or vice versa. So to the young comedians, I just say, this is a purpose. This is not for play play. If you want to do it for play play, then you stay in open mics. But if you really want to make this a set purpose and you bring joy to this world and actually make a difference with your purpose, come on in, be your authentic self and get it and focus on the funny. Just focus on your funny. That's all I got to I say. Love on it. Yeah. I love it so much. I love the Somebody else clapping? I thought the ghost was clapping. Oh, here, man. Right? Yeah, there is a ghost here. There like, is a yeah, ghost I'm here. Not even... I don't want to talk about it either. Yeah, yeah, we I got to come up here all the time. So. Yeah, it's not enough people here either. Yeah. <laughs> Episode 7, Miles Francis. What advice do you have for people starting out? Like, we've talked, like, because I'm starting out. But what advice would you give somebody? 
My advice would be to look at myself and be like, oh, wow, his life's a mess. Don't take, <laughs> don't take advice from this guy. No, you've got great <laughs> advice, dude. We went open micing, and in the car, you told me a bunch of different stuff that totally resonated with where I was. You were like, maybe don't do this, possibly do this instead. You know what I mean? You were giving me great advice, so I, I will follow you. You, you tell That's, me where we will go. This is go. terrifying. I feel like I'm running like the least successful cult in the history of cults. <laughs> Just me and you, Miles. Let's, let's do drink, this. Let's drink the monster, all dude. Right, all right. The Kool-Aid, baby, baby. There we go. Uh, it was actually not Kool-Aid. It was, uh, oh my God, what was it called? Powerade. No, it wasn't. It's was the cheap one. Rite-Aid, maybe. I think it was Rite-Aid. No. Rite-Aid. No, it Something not Kool-Aid. It was off-brand Kool-Aid. Just to be very clear for the <laughs> deaths that occurred, that's the important part that we need to focus on. But they last drank. We didn't know. Um, uh, advice I would give yes. legitimately is the easiest one is, is just to be yourself, which is so cliche. But like you just said, I told you not to say things or, or to say things. I probably, and I hope if I didn't, I should have caveated that. Like, if you want to, you should say whatever you want. You ultimately have the stage time and the microphone. You have freedom of speech and you have the ability to speak your mind. So say what you want to, but just be aware that all those things can be true and there can also be consequences for your words. So depending on what you're going to choose to say, it's going to turn people's opinions of you one way or the other. So you should be cognitive of that. But outside of that very cliche advice, I think the best thing that I, I have ever learned from comedy is that, and this is actually true for all performance arts. This goes to Evil Dead. There's times when I messed up where as, as long as you ring true to this concept, if you are in any performance arts, it doesn't really matter how well you're doing. It matters how much fun you're having because to some degree, of course, you need to be moderately funny to be a comedian and you need to be moderately good at acting to be in a play. You need to be a moderately good singer to, you know, perform a song. But ultimately, if you are having fun, the audience is going to want to have that fun with you. They're going to recognize like, oh, man, this dude's having the time of his life. I want to be at the party with him. That's going to win people over far more than writing the most perfect joke and nailing the execution on it every single time i mean i mean don't get me wrong there's people that do that and they're incredible and they're hilarious and, and that works for them and i'm happy for them but i am never going to write the smartest joke of the world <laughs> and say it perfectly because i'm going to stutter or i'm going to slip up or i'm going to bite my tongue or, or whatever but i will be having a great time if you give me that microphone and give me a crowd of people to talk to absolutely absolutely dude you're so much fun to watch on stage thank you man you really are you have like i said you bring people in like the second you get on stage you make it your space, and then you bring people in. That is an incredible talent to have. A lot of comedians draw that barrier. They like the lights. They like the bubble that's up here. But you just seem like to be talking to, like, like I said, one of your best friends or something like that. So it's really fun to watch. I like it when people like invite me to their table so I can like munch on their two-item minimum <laughs> or you know, get a drink out of the situation. Can I get some of those nachos? Yeah, just move the lights down to table three, yeah, please. We're good. <laughs> uh, what's your writing process like? How do you do it? I uh, should write more, uh, which is, a, <laughs> is a, always a thing. The truth is, it's just it's things that I experience largely. I mean, they just they either legitimately happen the way that they are, or, or like I exaggerate them slightly and realize how funny they can be. This is a weird confession, but I do a lot of my like actual writing in a bathtub. Yeah, because I am super ADHD and I love taking hot baths. Like it's one of my favorite things. But like it's almost like a sensory deprivation thing for right. me because I'll have my ears under the water and I'll be in like a hot like bath of water. And it just allows me to focus my thoughts and I have, you know, my phone so I can translate these 
concepts or these observations that I've made that I, I usually will just write down a few words about like while I'm going through my day and I can go through those lists and I can kind of think to myself like, oh, uh, what could be funny about this? Or like, you know, start trying to actually write it out. But I'm definitely somebody that figures it out a lot on stage. Like I don't think any of my jokes are ever perfectly crafted whenever I, I write them. I think that they're largely a decent joke that needs some trimming and some fat cutting for certain and I usually do that while I'm on stage at an open mic I'm trying to see if I have like a list of words that like would be like a good example for for this motorcycle <laughs> <laughs> well like if something yeah, for sure like we can definitely add that now but uh <laughs> like I literally will just like write these weird okay here I'll, I'll this is the most uh recent list that I made that I that, that have no joke written yet but might one day if like you know if I ever make it to be on like one of these comedians on your wall maybe we'll have one of these jokes but uh, musical theater polyamory divorce new girlfriend love love on ecstasy sleepovers the fart barrier <laughs> and the inner circle none of those are anything but they all could be yeah that's awesome so you you set up like a giant bullet point and you go this is where we're going to begin and then you work it out and then you like you said you work it out on stage for the most part so and you're on stage all the time like you Try are putting be. you are putting in the work to do so episode eight ryan joseph what advice do you have for people who are starting out you know people who just got into comedy who want to go to an open mic don't know what to do what would you say to do you know i actually built a course once during the pandemic on like how, and it was based off a book that i read a lot of the content is based off that and i would just give my own you can find it on Udemy, U-D-E-M-E-Y.com. It's just like how to write jokes. But I also talk a lot about a lot of stuff. But like my advice would be, it's hard to give advice as someone who's had, you know, Barry Katz told me I chose a really hard road, <laughs> you know, and he he loves my call. He listens to my comedy in the dark in the basement and laughs. He's afraid <laughs> he'll, he'll get canceled, you know, but like, so it's hard for me to like give advice because I, I basically just do what you think is funny, you know? And if you think that, like, don't ever change who you are and what you do for anything, for anyone. And if you think it's funny, other people will think it's funny. But also, you know, if you're going to do it, you have to do it. Like, it's all about action. In life, you know, I learned, I learned that in recovery is um, you can do whatever you want in this life if you want to take the actions. The small, stupid actions that mean nothing. Like, how many times I've gone to mics and stuff when I don't want to go and, like, written when I didn't want to write. And just just stuff like that, and it work, it pays off because that's what gets you where you want to go is actions. You know, I think it, the trick is to get so good that no one really will hide a good comic. I've had someone tell me that once, and it's true. Like if you're good, they'll find you. They'll come to you. Just worry about being really funny and like write, 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 write. Learn how to write jokes. You know, like it's such a lost art form. A lot of comics don't write anymore. You know, they think they'll just. They think I used to think too. I just go on stage and talk and it'd be funny, but it doesn't work. There's a formula. There's, you know, there's a setup, there's a premise, there's a punch. Before you get into these long stories, you have to figure out which, which I'm starting to explore longer bits using my one liners. You have to learn to punch things up, right? So there has to be punches throughout it, you know? And you have to, to learn that, like the, the beauty of the joke. What is the beauty of the joke? What is a misdirect, you know? What is one sentence that means two different things, except when you get to the last one or two words that reveals what you really mean and that's the hardest thing to come up with and it's exhausting and um yeah it's hard to say you know try to be as beautiful as i am it's hard to do <laughs> <laughs> but yeah 
I don't know that that's what I would say I guess it's just like write and um find how, how people look at you don't try to be someone that like you think everyone wants to go up there and be a comic they they like you know when really they don't even look like that person or they don't even come across a person so try to try to understand how do people perceive you right have that self-awareness and then blow it up you know make it a caricature make fun of it you know I guess that's what I would say Oh, that's awesome. You're, you're you're really speaking to me right now because I recently went through a kind of a downtime in comedy because I did an abortion joke and it went very badly to the <laughs> point where uh, the, like the staff was about it. And that's, that's great. Yeah. And I'm just like, man. And then my my friend, he's like, man, you probably shouldn't have done that joke. And I was like, no, that. I was like, it's a funny joke. I don't care what anyone says. It's a yeah. good joke. And, you know, it's just but it did. I'm sensitive and a lot of comics are sensitive. So yeah. I took it to heart and I was just like, well, these people don't like me. So I've got the punk rock mentality of who cares? And yeah. then I've got the other side where it's like, oh, well, I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. You know, right. I, I, I read something today or watched something today where you said about people walking out of a show, like as great as it goes over with the audience when that happens, you said it makes you feel bad. Yeah, it does. I don't want anyone to have a bad time, especially if they're paying for their ticket or anything, because your abortion joke, maybe the goal, I don't know, like, how did everyone not like it or did it just appear? Oh, it bombed, like, beautifully. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one yeah. of those bombs where you're like, well, that probably deserved that. That's how it okay. was. Okay, so like in that instance, like, I wouldn't say change your content, saying change the joke, but find a way to make something that shouldn't be funny, funny, you know? Like, that's how, that's the goal is to, like, I've had like feminists come up to me with short haircuts and just be like, <laughs> you know, I, I didn't want to laugh at that, but I did, you know, yeah. that's the goal is so you have to make it funny for them, you know, or, or else you'll, you'll just be doing shock stuff, you know? Yeah. That's the trick. That's the beauty of that's the art really is finding a way to say something that, that people don't want to laugh at and they laugh at anyways, you know, yeah. and when they're walking home and they're going to class tomorrow, to, to their women's studies, knowing that they just laughed out, laughed about <laughs> joke. Last night, a joke about a woman getting, you know, her feet sucked by a man invading their house. <laughs> Have that haunting them, you know? Yeah. And like, that's what I laughed at, you know, last night. Episode nine, Roland Campos. What was it like actually going up to do the comedy for the first time after you wrote some stuff and practiced it? Were you nervous at all, or were you just like this? Oh, yeah. Like... Yes, definitely nervous. I'm still nervous. I'm nervous right now. Really? <laughs> yeah, I'm nervous right Yeah, I don't drink as much, you know, don't smoke as much, so... <laughs> So, so nothing yeah, to medicate yeah, the yeah, yeah, no, yeah, nothing to, this nothing is sober. to take away the... Yeah, this is pretty much, pretty sober, much sober, sober, sober Gabe. Yeah, yeah. You smoke yeah, water, you got a joint. Yeah, yeah, you don't got it. That's pretty sober. Yeah, yeah so... <laughs> no, but um, yeah, it was. I'm always like nervous, man. Butterflies. But once you get up there and start doing it, man, you get that first laugh, it just, it's just like, like a drug, you know? Yeah, it's, 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 it's probably... addicting. The, it's the yeah. most addictive drug, I would say. Yeah, it's addictive. To get those laps and you come off stage and you're flying high yeah. on that adrenaline rush, yeah, it's, it's something else, dude. It's, it's fun, man. It's fun. <laughs> so how about your first hosting gig? Who was that with? My first hosting gig done a few you know doug you're asking me questions that i won't know the first two because i smoked <laughs> a lot you know so i mean it's not going to be a remembrance of a first of a lot but I know who it was. but like scruncho i've done like scruncho it was scruncho yeah scruncho uh like john hitton pablo francisco i've been on stage with like some Polly shore i mean when i was in corpus uh, chingo bling you know 
You bragging I mean, right now? No, 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 no. <laughs> like it was like just two. Like I mean, quite a few people want to think about it. What was that like uh, going up and hosting though? What was that feeling of being like? I've actually made it to the point where I can stand in front and do this. It feels great. Feel good, you know, to bring laughter into the world. You feel like, wow, you know, better than bringing tears yeah. to people's eyes, you know. So it, it feels great when you do it. You just you have your own feeling, I guess. <laughs> yeah, but to me, it feels great, man. Like it's it's nothing better than just having a room full of people laugh, man, and having a good time. So, what is your weirdest stage experience? Like, what is the weirdest thing that's ever happened to you? The weirdest. I don't really think nothing too, too, too weird other than maybe someone like talking real loud. How do you deal with that? What is your, I how do you deal with hecklers? Pretty much ignore them. Yeah. You know, just keep on going. Not direct too much attention because that's what they're looking for is that attention. Right. And then usually when you don't give them that attention, they end up looking like a donkey. <laughs> <laughs> we can't Finding curse. The on, word, yeah. We I'm can't finding, curse. I'm okay. the words here, people. <laughs> he's, he's, it's, it's one of those, we don't yeah. curse in this podcast. Yeah. We got to yeah. bleep it. So he's yeah. trying not so, to curse. Yeah. So, so a donkey. Yeah. Like a donkey. Beep, beep, yeah. Beep, 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 beep. He's acting a donkey. There we go. <laughs> You know what a donkey is. So you've never had something happen like behind the stage or like with another comedian that was just awkward or it's all been easy going? No, it ain't all been easy going, that's for sure. But probably some stories I probably wouldn't want to <laughs> disclose right now. <laughs> Don't know who is going to get in trouble or who's going to get a lawsuit on them. That's hey, true. You know? that's so, true. yeah. So that's fair. I'll plead the fifth on that, Doug. Let me go. plead the fifth. Yeah, <laughs> let me plead the fifth on that because there is a lot that goes on, I tell you. There is a lot, there that, is goes a lot that goes on. For those on. out there, there's a lot that goes and, on. I mean, who knows? I mean, Federales might be watching this. <laughs> FBI. Uh, you know, who knows? <laughs> you ever get starstruck? You ever find yourself in meeting a comedian and you're just like, oh, wow, that is like one of my heroes. Or you've always been kind of chill about meeting comedians. I think I've been pretty much, I want to say chill, not like, oh, like, like just totally freaking out because they're human beings as well. And they're pretty down to earth, most of them, you know, so you know, I wouldn't say like totally starstruck where I'm going to pay to get a picture, <laughs> you know, like, like, you know pay for those type of stars you know what i mean yeah. so yeah but definitely just it's like they're, they're pretty whoa did you hear the ghost is that a ghost that's a ghost of the addison oh, improv man. bro that's i heard that, that. Woo. yeah it was creepy wow i'm keeping that think, in man so everyone knows David, this place is haunted wow they were laughing at me okay yeah <laughs> i don't know i'm know i'm about to leave right now <laughs> uh, don't tell me that. You're performing in front of a bunch of ghosts right now. I mean, uh, it is, I mean, it is yeah, a very white yeah, thing right, to be like, yeah. I want to go investigate it right yeah, now. Right. Like, where did that ghost right, come from? Yes, yes. We've got to turn off the light now. And I get love our... how you're like, I'm bouncing. Yeah. Out here. yeah, man. Let me take this Red Bull too. <laughs> Episode 10, Derek Jack. I'm the one, I know how to land those planes and show you how to organize this to get your mental airport back in order. You know what I mean? So that's what I've, I've been teaching with comics. The big thing that you said there that I struggle with when I go up is my personality on stage. Yeah. I don't exactly have one yet. Okay. My jokes are fine. My, okay. my, my delivery is fine. But how do you find that personality? Just be who you are. You got to understand it's just, it's you. It's just be who you are, man. Like you got to keep in mind this is your comedy. Okay, like for instance, we, let's look at this Red Bull can. Where I think arguments come in is this. All of us are looking at one item, the same item, 
but we're looking at that item from a different angle and we're arguing over the views that we see. So watch this. I'm saying, oh yeah, red bull, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, yeah, it has a red bull on it. You don't see that bull because all you see is the ingredients. You're like, right. no, it doesn't. It just has words. And I'm like, no, it don't. It got a red bull. And, <laughs> and we're arguing. But the thing is this. If we take that same item that we're all looking at and we rotate it, or or if the item stays the same and me and you switch seats, now I see that, that same item from your angle and you see this same item from my angle. That's one of the main problems. We don't know how to switch seats. We just see it on one side. So the thing is this. So when you're looking at things, it's from your perspective. Why do you think this is funny? Well, I think it's funny because I'm looking at it from the, the reason why I think it's funny because, and, and your perspective goes all the way back from the way you was raised, where you came from, how you view things, what shows you watch when you're growing up, what comedic influences you have. You know what I mean? So that's all. It's your perspective. Nobody can take your perspective. But what you have to do is you have to teach the people and show them how you got to your perspective of why you think it's funny. Absolutely. And you do that masterfully. So that's one of my main things I've worked on. Yeah. But you you always do that. You attack everything from different angles. You have to. And then you pick the strongest angle. And and then you have a strong sense of uh, emotion within your comedy. Right. Like you know what emotion you're going in with. Yes. This is how you feel about something. And then you tackle it. You have to. You have to. So like I said, I can't make you funny, but I can't can't get you prepared for that stage. I can tell you that. One of my um, my people I worked with who's murdering the game right now is Alberta the Exception. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, me and Alberta, we've been cool for a long time. I remember when Alberta first started, first, first started. I seen her when she first got on stage. I seen where she was going with it. And I told her, I said, hey, I can't make you funny. You're already funny. But I tell you what, I can show you how to enhance what you got. No doubt, Alberta was like, let's do it. So me and her got together years ago. We start putting things together. Boom, 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 boom. I started teaching everything I know, learning, doing what we, what we can do, what I had learned up to that point. She applied that. Man, she's been murdering the game. She, she's got, got a hold of it quicker than I did. And that was my goal, to get her, if I can get somebody to grab a hold of it. Like, it took me, I had to learn it the hard way. You know what yeah. I mean? So once I learned it the hard way, I condensed everything that I went through and I put it into a format like, yo, you don't have to go through, you know, four years of learning this when I've, I've went through it already. So, boom, I've condensed. You know, four years of training, this is what it is right here. And these are classes that you do or these just are, one-on-one? It's, it's one-on-one I do. If it evolves into that, it's cool. But I have comics. You know, people, you know, yo, I'm trying to get my stage presence together. So I'm like, yo, all right, this is what you need. Boom, 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 boom. And then I'll I, I run it to them. The whole nine, man, learning how to write all that, learning how to put your sets together. And the way I teach is that you can do it and I can show you how to, you know, we're gonna, I'm, I'm going to teach you how to write in five-minute increments. And then all you're going to do is basically, once you learn how to write in five-minute increments, you're going to just change the subject, and you're going to keep writing in five-minute increments. You take a subject of, let's say, five minutes of childhood jokes, opposed to five minutes of work jokes. Now, you put them together, now you got 10 minutes for yeah. a set. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, the, and the way it's the way I teach you, where it show you how to keep you, where you can remember everything that's going on. The way I can I can set it up, you can take this set out right here and add this set in here, and you can switch this around and all that. So it's it's a way it's done. But I understood, like I said, I understood the format behind it, and it works. Yeah. Because I, I I know I have a lot to offer. Like I said, a lot of people they hit me up behind the scenes. They don't say nothing. You know, some people ask me to tweak their jokes. How do you do this? How, how do you get to? I'm working on a new joke, and as soon as I hear it, I say, I see what you're doing because I understand the concept. Mm-hmm. And it's a format, too. Once you get that, bro, you can't be touched. Yeah, yeah, that's You can't be touched. I promised you so. Episode 11, Joel Reynolds Jr. What advice would you give to people who are looking to get into comedy? People are thinking about going to that first open mic or... You know, just like people like me who are just starting out. What, what advice would you give? Well, if you're looking to go to that first open mic, right now we do the test your mic every Tuesday yeah. at the Improv at Arlington. It's the best place to start out and learn. I've had a lot of people come up here and, you know, 
get out into the world. That's what I can say. Just get get on stage as soon as possible, especially if you're young. You know, I had a guy that was pretty old. He's like, you you think I'm going to make it? I'm like, no, man, because you're not. <laughs> <laughs> you 49. You over here trying to do characters, and you're not telling jokes. He'll be here tonight. He might be up here now. <laughs> I'm trying to tell him how to write a joke. He's not listening. I'm like, people have to be able to follow you. If you, like, I tell a lot of comedians that your first Three jokes on stage must connect because you're establishing a pattern. And I had to tell a lot of them, let the crowd laugh. Don't just bull through it either. Don't just sit up. Some people have to do that to block people out, but you've got to absorb the people and fill the room. You can't just blah, 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 because you're scared. <laughs> so you just keep talking. Keep talking. Don't pause. You're, you're not listening. Yeah, you got to pause. You got to fill the room. You got to acknowledge the elephant in the room. Mm-hmm. You know, if you came in with a big, you know, something on your face, you're like, yeah, I got, I know I got something on my face. <laughs> I would just wait until, I, you know, but if you get up there and something on your face, and I was at work the other day, and he's going to be looking, he got something on his face. <laughs> they don't know that, though, man. They don't think about that. But that's great advice, though, <laughs> having the first three jokes connect. Yeah. You know what I mean? I've never heard that before. Yeah. And I started thinking about my set, and I was like, Oh, if I do that. You see, yeah. yeah. And and another thing that they you know told me when I was starting out, come out with your best joke and end on your best joke. And so I started doing that. And then I put one in the middle, and then everything else started. You know, then everything started evening out. It's like oh. And I that's can... the thing is not every joke's a hitter. Sometimes you got in between jokes. You know, yeah. There's different levels to laugh. There's different levels of funny. But when you're building a pattern of jokes, you know, or you're beginning to string them along, you know, it's just. Not everything's going to be perfect, and not everything's going to be super right. funny. But whenever you finally get confident in it, the chances of that joke that isn't the funniest joke is probably going to hit. Right. Yeah. And then these comedians, they come at the open mic and they think, "Oh, um, well, I said this little joke last week, so everybody knows." Yeah, the comics know, and you know their jokes too. I had to tell them it takes six months to a year to work out a joke. Yep. So you just keep doing it. Don't worry about. Oh, they gonna know my jokes. You're not even that far along. I know some comics that's been doing comedy for a long time, and they're really funny, and they do the same jokes from start to finish. But people laugh at them real hard from start to finish. You know, cause you see them come up here, do the same. You could, you could, you could time your clock to it. When they say a joke, you be like, all right, he about to get off stage. Like you know, right? (laughs) Yes. From being here, but that's how you should be. Till you got everything is funny, that's fine. It's because they don't understand how hard it is come up with a 45-minute set yeah. to be banging like that all the way through to the front. So that's why sometimes you see headliners, they'll slow it down a little bit. And a lot of comics think they're funny than headliner because they're doing 10 minutes. Oh, it's funny. But, yeah, you didn't have to worry about doing 45 minutes. That's a whole nother level. You can go up there and just bark off some jokes and get lucky for 10 minutes. But 45 minutes, you got to dig deep. I can't even imagine how challenging it is. But it's fun at the yeah. same time because yeah. it's always good to see, like, what? I'm already at 40? Yeah. I'm like, you know. <laughs> I want to ask this real quick. Check drop. How do you deal with check drop whenever that happens? It brings down the energy in the room. People are looking at how much money they owe. Yeah. Do you attack it straight on and make a joke about it, or do you, you just kind of let? I didn't really notice it here in the South. Like I said, that was something that I was brought my attention to when I was in New York because they would do that and it would get serious. But like I said, the elephant in the room. You know, you say this is the moment to get quiet. Look at everybody. Truth. Everybody start realizing how much money they ain't spent tonight, and then they want to go home. They tired of me. You know, usually a check spot is in, in New York. They have a comedian that go out just for that time to do the check spot. 
so they kind of do it early so the headliner wouldn't have to deal with it right. so that's why like I, I could offer some advice to them but you're not gonna you're not gonna avoid that people gonna say that check you know everybody bringing out the checks People gonna, you know, people get serious. Especially my people get serious about that money. I, I, I don't know, damn wings, that much, damn. I didn't know them drink cost that much. Da, 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 da. So you know, you try not to get, you know, it's kind of up to the club too to try not to get that involved because people get so tight about their money. But then yeah. some of my people, they cool. All right, whatever it is. Oh yeah. And they just keep, and they, go, they just keep top. rolling. Yeah. yeah, that's the people we like, right? Oh, it's awesome. That's it's the amazing. people. That's the people you like because they truly came to good time. They have a good time. And I learned the best audiences in the world is a paying audience because I've done some free shows. Man, oh, it's <laughs> the hardest people to make laugh. It's the hardest people to make it laugh. It is. It's rough. Episode twelve. Chris Hopkins. Do you have any advice for up-and-coming comedians, people who want to start out like myself? I'm in my first year. That that would help. Don't ever give up on yourself. Get a good support system of people that aren't going to talk you out of it, and just just be ready for the for the ride. Not don't don't feel like well, if I'm not on Netflix in three years and I need to quit, don't don't let people put arbitrary limits or or timelines on your career. Don't let them say, well, you got to do this and this time and you got to do that and that time. And why are you still doing that? You haven't made X amount of dollars or you could be doing this and you could be doing that. Everybody takes off in their own time. Like Ron White was saying that he was a traveling comic doing stuff forever until Jeff Foxworthy put him on. Yeah. And then, and then he took off. And it's that's the really the thing. It's like you you do your thing until the word gets out that like this guy's a killer and then someone will come find you. But that's how comedy kind of polices itself. Up until these crappy uh, social media and all these TikTok clowns that if you get a bunch of followers, it's like you they'll just throw money at you. But it used to be that you really had to prove yourself before you made money in comedy. You couldn't just hop up there. You know, you got a couple people that, you know, they might know somebody or something, but you really had to prove yourself and become a beast before people start throwing money at you. Like, if you look at the Chappelle show, like, Bill Burr's like a bit dude in there. Yeah. Like, and like, Bill Burr's like one of the top comics now. It's like, people do their time. Like, Joe Rogan, he did Fear Factor. Yeah. It's like, you never know what other little side gigs or whatever things you can do for exposure is going to help you in the long run with comedy. Absolutely. And that's, that's why you should always say yes to every experience, mm-hmm. every door that opens. Just say, yeah, I'll give that a go. Let's yeah. see what happens. Because you never know who you'll meet, what contacts will happen. You just never know. You never know. Hey, everyone. It's just stuck jumping in to say thank you so much for checking out the podcast today. If you dig it, please head over to our website at improvtx.com, where you can check out our calendar for all the upcoming shows in Addison, Arlington, Houston, and San Antonio. And don't forget to follow our social media. All links in the description. And with that, back to the podcast. Episode 13, Paul Jairus. Do you have any advice for up-and-coming comedians, people like myself? I'm only a year in, open micers, people who might want to try it. What advice would you give to them? I would say trust yourself. If you put too many people into what you got going on, they might make you have reason to doubt yourself or doubt your process. You, know, you got to trust your process, trust your material. Keep people around you that are chasing something because I think that matters too. If, if, if you're around people who just kind of like to kick it around you know, and aren't really as driven, at some point, it'll rub off on you. So I think just keeping people around you that are driven, staying true to yourself, true to your material, and trusting. Like I said, trusting. I have plenty of jokes where I would write them down, and then I would get on stage and be like, I'm going to do what works. You know what I'm saying? Instead of just taking that leap of faith. There ain't nothing wrong with, with bombing, for one. You know? Yeah. It's going to happen. It's inevitable. Yeah. We all we all will, will have an off night, but it's just a night. You know, so it's like... In this comedy, it's like it's it's really a journey. It's really a, a marathon. 
like I said, you have your great nights where you where you're on top of the world. You have your nights where you're like, uh, and you'll know it too. Like, cause we hold ourselves to that standard, mm-hmm. so it's like you'll know when you had a great set. You'll know when you had an alright set. But even when you have an alright set, you'll still have people come up to you and be like, "Hey, that was great." Like, you thought that was great. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm like, all right. you know, so that kind of helps going forward. And then it's like. Like I said, this is about finding who you are on stage, finding what's my style. Am I someone who sits on the stool and just, you know, or do I, am I energetic or like I had to figure it out for myself, you know, like that's why when you say high energy, I make that a point before I get on stage. Make sure you have jokes that require energy. Like for me, I, I always want to keep your attention. You know, whether I'm telling a joke or not, I want to keep it. I may be on this side of the stage and I'm over here, or I'm over here, or I'm over here, you know, so I always want to. Just keep your attention. And I, like I said, stay true to you. Stay true to your material. And don't listen to the outside noise. Because it'll, it'll derail you. It'll it derail will. you. It'll it make you doubt. It'll make you feel like, oh, this and that. Don't listen to no. it. Just yeah. keep going and watch how far you go. Episode 14, Benjamin Defabaugh. What suggestions do you have to people who want to get into music? You don't. know, Don't. <laughs> No, but seriously, like there's people who need inspiration and they want and they want to. Honestly, play. that's kind of funny. One of my favorite artists, David Ramirez. I saw him play live once. And he's like, and I met this guy, and he was a plumber. He was the best musician ever, but he was a plumber. You want to know why he was a plumber and not a musician? Because he's smart. <laughs> and I'm like, that's pretty funny. Advice: Just don't stop learning. Like, always be a student. Because right now you're just like, oh, this is just what I do. Well, that might suck. Yeah, <laughs> you know, just always just learn. Keep yourself humble. You're not better than anybody else. I can't stand when musicians, like, just because they think they're a musician that they're better than people. I'm like, no, shut up. Be humble. Be a student of your trade. Be real and authentic. Like, when you're trying to be like somebody else, you can tell. Be and, real, be authentic, but be a student and always trying to grow. What, what do you do whenever you feel that negativity hits you? Where you're like, man, I suck and I'm terrible. Oh, man, it happens, man. It comes in waves. Yeah. Like, what was I doing the other day? I was just tired and hungry. <laughs> And I suck. suck. (laughs) I don't have any ham. There's no ham around me and I suck. (laughs) I think you just have to remind yourself that that's how everybody feels. Yeah. And it just comes in waves. Like we all do that about our own selves like without art. Like just as people. Like some days we're like super cocky and confident in ourselves and other days we're like, oh, I suck. It's the same deal with music. There's highs and lows and you just got to power power through it. When you find yourself in like those lows, you just go play music just to get out of your system. Like in comedy, whenever I feel like I, I can't do comedy, I have to go to an open mic. And that way I remind myself like, oh, I can get on stage and actually do this. I'm not good That's at not it. That's not a bad idea because yeah. if you have a bad night, go hurry up and have another good night. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I haven't done that. Honestly, I just power through it. Sleep, wake up the next day, work on something new. Yeah. How much time do you think you dedicate a week to? Uh, God, I wish music? I could do so much more. I try to just do one night a week. You know, I'm married and have kids and it's just. It's hard sometimes to, to find time to do it, but like I have to force myself sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, all right, I'm gonna do some work tonight. I mean, but you've got twenty plus years worth of playing guitar and singing under your belt. Like that's huge. So you've got the experience, you've got the talent, and you've worked on your trade for so long. And it's changed throughout time. You know, yeah. it's definitely went from like we said the punk rock to kind of like acoustic folk. Acoustic. Acoustic. How do you spell it? A Q. A Q U I. A-Q-U-E-U. I blame the hot wings that I ate earlier. <laughs> the acoustic music. Acoustic? Like on pole? <laughs> <laughs> Give me that acoustic. Uh, <laughs> 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 
episode 15, Alfred Kanga. What advice do you have for comedians who are just starting out? People like myself who are only a year in, who've been doing it, that really need the advice of somebody who's been doing it for a while. The stage and the microphone is your friend. Oh, wow. No one has said that yet. Because <laughs> it doesn't always feel that way. Yeah. That is your friend. It's like, check this out. When you start going to the gym, right? I mean, we can't, we are the worst example. We're sitting out here with kegs and <laughs> But when you start going to the gym, right? First day, you're going to do 10 push-ups. It's going to be hard, right? The first day, we'll probably do three. Right? I'm like, you know what? I'm out of here. <laughs> Tomorrow you come back. You're going to let me push. You're going to do two more. Now you're at five. Next day, okay, I'm in nine. Next day, 10. Now we push it. 20, 20. So basically what I'm saying is the more you do it, the better you get. The more you get on stage, the better you get. Doc, I used to get on stage seven to eight times a week. Wow. I would find all the open mics in the city. Sometimes two open mics a night. Five minutes here, five minutes there. My night was done. Do it again the next day. I kid you not. I couldn't wait because I wasn't a headlining or traveling comedian. So I could not wait for Tuesday because that's when open mic starts, right? Mm -hmm. Over the weekend, I hated it because I'm not working because I'm, I'm a new open micer. But Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, oh, loved those days. Yeah. So you found all the open mics that you can do as much as you can. Your stage and your microphone are your friend. And with that, did you enjoy the process of working out material? And, and It was tough. It was tough. I mean, you had rough nights, right? I mean, most of the, most of the time with open mics, it's, it's a grind. You don't have an audience. You have 10, 15 people, and nine of them are comics. You know, who going to be on your shit? You know what I mean? <laughs> so, but what, what, what a lot of people don't realize is open mic, you're not really doing it for the audience. You're doing it for you, learning how to hold the mic, learning how to pace yourself on stage. So you become so comfortable. You know, when it's your first time on stage, some people, you're just stiff. But the more you do it, next thing you know, you're rolling yourself on the wall. You know, you it becomes your friend. That's what I mean when I say it becomes your friend. Because you become so comfortable with it because you do it all the time. And next thing you know, things come off the dome. Improv. My improv work improved incredibly by getting on stage all the time. Mm -hmm. That's all there is to it. So you're not afraid of crowd work at all? Absolutely not. I love it. Yeah. I, I used to be petrified. I used to be scared of it. But there's a guy by the name of D. Ellis. Mm -hmm. He said, Alfred, you because he's a king of improv. That's all he does. You know, and I'm going to go on record and say, D. Ellis doesn't have any material. He's got <laughs> improv work, you know. He'll give you 45 minutes of improv. But he taught me, he said, look, if you're able to engage with audience and then come back to your set, you're going to be unstoppable. Yeah, because there's things that happen during the show, right? Wait, stuff comes and gets knocked over, and then pause. You gotta talk about that. Yeah, you know, someone who comes in with a ridiculous outfit, we gotta talk about that. You know, so I love my improv work. How yeah. do you deal with hecklers? What is, What is your go to? Do you, ah. do you engage or do you ignore? Or? Thank God I haven't had very many, but the ones that I've had, I've handled them very well. Yeah, you know, uh, my go-to is I let them know, like, look, man, I I, I passed immigration. You think I'm gonna be scared of you? <laughs> come on, man, you gotta come better than that. Ice, let me in. You you ain't gonna stop me. <laughs> Episode sixteen, comedian hot topic. What advice do you have for comedians who are just starting out, like myself? I'm about a year in. I'm not very good. But what what advice would you give to somebody like myself that could help us? Keep writing. 
Don't burn bridges. All comedians say be original. Tell your story. I'm real big on the don't burn bridges because everybody think they funny, which is cool. You already got to be funny to get on stage. You should be anyway. And keep tight relationships with comedians. You know what I mean? Because it's all about what you do off stage. Are you going to talk behind my back off stage? Are you going to go to the promoter and say, hey, I can bring in a bigger crowd than what he brought in? You know what I mean? It's all about friendship. Because the thing about it, if you look around in DFW, some of the same comedians running in a circle and don't even know it. I'm talking booking the same comics that they cool with over there, over here. No, be friends with everybody. You know, that show that's coming up on the 15th. 15th at 7 o'clock at the Addison Improv. You got Bunny, a real good friend of mine. CJ Starr, real good friend yes. of mine. Angela Walker, she like a sister to me. Angela's amazing. And I hit up um, Brittany Gross that run Plano House of Comedy and mm-hmm. say, hey, would you mind being on it, doing a guest spot? Very Because cool. she's giving me an opportunity to perform over there. So, And me and her don't even have a tight relationship like that. But it's like, I see the potential. You run a comedy. You want to do comedy. You're doing comedy. You got a following. Come do some comedy. Yeah, absolutely. 2023, man, if you ain't smiling, get away from me. <laughs> I want that energy around me. What What is your motto? Why cry over anything when you can laugh at everything? Where does that come from? Just being positive, man. It's okay not to be okay sometimes. You know what I mean? We ain't supposed to be perfect. You ain't supposed to walk around here faking it. If you if you ain't all right, say something. Somebody might have some encouraging words for you. Look how many people come in a comedy club and be on their last leg. Be ready to jump. Yeah. Be ready to take themselves out, but come and get a laugh. Whatever you're going through, we just made you laugh. So why cry over it when you can laugh about it? We have people pass away. Look how many people we done lost during COVID. And life and death, when you go to a funeral, it's supposed to be a celebration. Everybody crying and stuff. Now you're supposed to be telling stories about what this person did while they was here. You know what I mean? So, yeah, we're going to grieve over it, but don't cry too long about it. Laugh about it. Have fun. Yeah, and and, and celebrate their life. I don't want you standing over me crying like yeah. that, dropping all them <laughs> tears on my suit. <laughs> No, <laughs> I'm telling you, I went to a celebration of life last year, and it was one of the funnest quote unquote funerals I ever went to. Like, Man, I remember seeing one where this guy he knew he was gonna pass. They gave him the uh, you know amount of time he's gonna live, and recorded himself talking about it. So at the gravesite, they played the recording, and it was him like knocking on a casket. What? <laughs> Let me out of here! What are y'all doing? I was like, yo, that's funny, man. It's genius. Yeah. And, and making people laugh. Making and, people laugh. Yeah. That's I, what you want to leave them with. Yeah, man. Just got to, don't cry over it. Not too long. Yeah, it only hurt for a little bit. Yeah. What we go through in life only hurt for a little bit. Yeah. Just keep it pushing. Episode 17, Comedian Q. What advice would you have for up-and-coming comedians like myself, people who are just getting started? Get on stage. Like they tell me, say, Q, man, if you want to do this, man, just keep getting on stage and, and writing, of course. I run to people to say they don't write, they just freestyle. I think that's amazing if you can do that and be successful at it, but I personally have to write. So I would say write and then jump on stage as much as you can. I say this all the time. I don't know how many comics do it, but poetry rooms that have open mics are some of the best crowds to go work because they come and listen they're not a heckling crowd they'll sit there and just like, hear your jokes and hear your premises and listen and then they'll laugh because everybody loves to laugh but if you sometimes you go to open mics people are talking and it's, it's nothing but a bunch of comics on the list and not too many people in the crowd i don't like those type of rooms so i try to go find me like a, a nice open mic mixed with music comedy poetry so it's and an experience it almost yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And you get, right you can you can enjoy the show as well like i've been to some open mics where all the comics are outside smoking squares and waiting till they get on stage 
stage and you have nobody to work out in front right. in front of but comics. If they're in there, I like working out in front of real audiences. So that would be my experience. That's what I would would say. Go jump out on some open mics. And of course, just write and just keep writing because you can't do that but get better. Oh yeah, I love yeah. that because can't do it, get better. You, you, that's the one thing that's a bummer about open mics is there's no audience. Right. Yeah. Right. So right. I, I so love that working. Yeah, something, something to bounce off of. And I and I think once you get to a point where you can start hosting, host as much as you can because hosting works on your crowd. You get to work on your crowd work and you get to work on your bits at the same time. So if you typically they give you if you host and give you seven minutes, well you can do five minutes of, of new material every time you host and then some crowd work. Like it, it, just, it just it made me stronger. Like when I started my series, we got next hosting. I I was writing out trying stuff every month. Every month I probably had a twelve minutes of new stuff that I was gonna try out, and it and it worked for the most part because they was used to me trying out stuff or used to me being there at least. And I got to do my crowd work as well. That's how I got stronger hosting. Episode eighteen, comedian KG. What advice do you have for up-and-coming comedians, people like myself who are only like a year in or who want to get on stage for the first time? I would say, like, it's always a way to home in your craft of stand-up comedy. It's always a way. You can, you know, like I, like I do, practice at your house, you know, hit open mics, you know, or you can do all of it collectively. My advice is to don't stop doing none of it. Like, always do it all. Anything that got to do with comedy, do it because that only will advance you to the next level, whichever that next level is. Because I always see my career in levels. Like when I was one year in, two years in, I was not getting money for comedy. That was a level. Then people start offering me like $25 and I was getting excited. <laughs> so I was at another level, you know. So um, I would say always like continue to do everything that it got to do with comedy to advance your comedy career. And writing is always one of the first steps in advancing that. Because when you write stuff, it kind of opens up a whole path of creativity and it can go so many directions. And it's only you can decide what direction you want to take it. I personally take it in every direction until I find a direction that I'm comfortable with. That's really smart to say, what are all the angles that I can go yes. at this joke and go, all right, here's our best path. Right. Yeah. Yes. Like if you got a, a idea or a punchline, you write it down and then you just start like thinking about every direction that it can go. You can talk about politics that direction. You can talk about family that direction. You know, your life, personal life that direction. Or go all the directions until you find what's comfortable with you. And that's what writing creates. You know, the more you write, the more you be a creative person and you be a you're, you you start using your brain and using it what's need to be used for, you know, so Always continue to write, no matter what, and always, always have your hands in everything that got to do with comedy. Episode 19, Shiva Ari. What advice do you have to up-and-coming comedians? Don't do it. Don't <laughs> do it. <laughs> Honestly. Uh, I love being on stage, man, but it's, it's a lot. It's a lot, the offstage stuff. But if you love being on stage, man, yeah, you're going to keep doing it. It's like, yeah, I love doing heroin. That's why I kept putting myself in situations for it. This is kind of the same thing. So if you bit. love it, you'll you'll continue to chase it like a drug. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it unfortunately, is like a drug. unfortunately, yeah. It's it is like, like a drug though. The adrenaline rush is something else. Yeah. Like it's unlike anything I've ever experienced. You, you, and I'm not trying to be like you have to be up to do stand up, but it's like to deal with the shit, You have to have a enough life that the reward from stand up is worth even the more up that's happening to you because of stand up. Some of it's not even stand up's fault. Like it's not like the culture. It's just like. 
dude, going on the road and just being by yourself for, you know, four or five days. And you're just like, all right. And you're just stuck in a room. And then, you know, you do 10 minutes of, you know, <laughs> you pretty much get get taken out of your cage, do 10 minutes of dancing, say, yeah. and then go back in your cage. And you're like, that was really fun. And, but then you're stuck at home and you're like, what am I supposed to do? You know? Yeah. So, and then, yeah, some of the cultures too, because it's entertainment. Like, you know, there's, there's always going to be like some shadiness just because so many people are involved and so many people want to do this and stuff. I think, uh, yeah, don't you stand up. You You're shouldn't so do good. Yeah, You should really, like, <laughs> it's, if you can find something that makes you happy that's not stand up, that's probably the best. Or really, dude, just go make your friends laugh. If you can make your friends laugh, you, yeah, I don't have any friends, so I have to get strangers to do that. <laughs> like, I would love to have friends to make laugh, which I created through stand up, which say, that's kind of interesting. Ton of friends. They're all stand up comics. Yeah. It's, so, it's yeah. The, the best friends and, and the I, worst friends. And have. I know all those motherfuckers would leave me the second I quit stand-up. So it's just uh, like the it's the same thing. I mean, to a degree. But it's like, I, you know, it's like this is our AA meeting. That's how I look at it. It's like you got to come here. And, like, I'm kind of friends with comics out of it. But the main thing is, like, you come you come to church or whatever, you know. Do you view it as an art form? Yeah. Yeah, it's an art form. I mean, it's, it's pretentious to call it that. But it's like it is. Yeah. And, you know, especially – now more so because it's like you can kind of put and uh back to gay improv and stuff but improv <laughs> taught me a little bit more to put more emotion into it which i kind of have been and it's like stand up now you can kind of put some more like sympathy emotions not too much because you don't want the crowd just like being like uh, you know but it's like you can use those emotions to your uh advantage i i didn't even think about that because like thinking back when you're sets it's a roller coaster ride yeah like, you'll go up here and you tell a joke and they get a big laugh and like you said then and you i never know tension. how the roller coaster ride is like i'm trying to make it the same roller coaster ride but it's like there's always a part where it's like oh crap the tracks are broken here yeah. <laughs> and then it's like oh we gotta fix this before we hit that joke. and then if you hit it you gotta look at the mess and then yeah. you always come back from that i'm like too. i'm so sorry that your kids died yeah. on that roller coaster. <laughs> I will try not to do that next time. Episode 20, Ryan Perio. But a lot of people have given me advice. Like, they've seen me relentlessly working. And some people, you know, also inspired me by also, you know, borderline bullying and and challenging me and things like that to, to be better. And I just kind of, I've been a bully to myself because I'm an introvert and people bully me my whole life. So it's kind of how I roll. And so I try to coach people the same way as Somebody that's kind of at that phase of a veteran comic and people ask advice. I'm like, but you also, you know, I do some performance tips and things like that. It's like, you know, you got to be looser. Some people, they have the same formula for every single line. It's every joke sounds exactly like the next one. I'm like, you got to, at some point people get tired. They're going to know how you sound and it just doesn't become a challenge where they tune you up. It becomes a speech. And it's not because the jokes aren't funny. It's because the way you tell them is exactly the same way you've told the last 30. And so at third joke 31, people are just kind of, it's just, if you keep hearing the same thing, people are going to going to just get a comfort level and tune out. As you're saying that, I'm thinking about my set and I'm like, holy <laughs> like, I got to change some stuff up right well, now. Aaron Arnport gave me that nugget. I did a comedy show with him. I think it was a benefit for Marcy, who I believe is on one of the chairs in their table here. She used to come to the Addison Improv regularly. She was a fan of all of ours and she sadly passed away. And I think I was doing the weekend with him here with Polly Shore. And he literally told me, he's like, you know, some of the things you do are just so, you have just the same rhythm. 
that you kind of lose steam because everybody hears you. Yeah, that's kind of scary, man. You're giving such good advice just by going through your story. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, it's it sounds like it was a long learning process. It was, and it's one of those things also where it's like people, you know, always ask, you know, like, they feel like there's a shortcut or if there's something that, that's not being told to them, and I'm like, it's just work. I listened to a comedy podcast from overseas called The Comedian's Comedian, which is a fantastic podcast. It's kind of... I know it's a little bit niche British comedy, but it's interesting to hear different concepts of how people do things. Some of the concepts I've learned from there was a comic who was like, you know, video yourself, but only, you know, but don't video yourself all the time. Video yourself once every three to six months. And he's like, because you're in a unique position to know how you're feeling in a specific moment. And you can see that from an audience member like on the video, you can, so if you're nervous, if you think, oh man, I was super nervous doing this joke, you can look at the monitor or the camera screen and say, that's what I look like when I am peak nervous. You can see that. And like, I, I learned what I look like and I learned, you know, when those feelings come up to, you know, to kind of move away from that, to not let those get to me. Episode 21, Panda Chacon. Yeah. Oh, you got a cool name. You got to have some duck. You know what I'm saying? I was going to say, Duck and Panda. Panda's a great name. You know yeah, what I mean? Thanks, man. And a lot of people... I like Duck, though. Duck's so cute. The thing is, Panda people love pandas. Like, yes. they think they're cute. Ducks are cute as f***, bro. Like, <laughs> why not? Be like, my name is Duck. You want to f***? You know, something stupid, bro. <laughs> I mean, that's honestly... The first time I did comedy, I got off stage, and this smoking hot girl was like, you did really well. Oof. And I was like... Oh, thanks. And I got real nervous and ran away. No, duck. Yeah. And then I, the first time I did the show, I did Dean Lewis's class also. I got on nice. stage, smoking hot girl again. Hey, you did really good. And I'm just like, oh, I got to go over here. Oh, I just got so nervous, man. Don't. I just don't have the game. I just. There's no, dude. See, that's the thing as man. We think there's got to be game, cologne, like some type of pool, cart. No, be yourself, bro. Most chicks don't give a f- about that. I mean, the last two girls I went out with you would not. I'm not trying to be negative on myself, my body type. You didn't think I would have pulled them, but I was on myself. I made them laugh. That's the thing. You make them laugh, then you make the booty clap. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) (laughs) I didn't say that. (laughs) But uh, be yourself, bro. To some girl, see us as men, we we always wanted 10. We we like the trophy. We're hunters. People don't like talking, hey, it's not my side. Shut the up. It's what we like. No, bro, but I've dated everything. If you see the the date, well, the few chicks that I've dated, short, chunky, thick, the last one, 5'7", a buck 55, I mean, Beautiful body. Look better without clothes. Like, you say, how the hell do you hide that? It's like, how? Well, I'm half Puerto Rican. Well, I know where the, the good half is at. <laughs> but, um, dude, honestly, going back to the jokes, be yourself, bro. Be yourself. Like, right now, you're comfortable. Mm-hmm. You're, like, you're a happy dude, man. Be yourself. Write about stuff that's happened to you, bro. We all have two or three jokes that has only happened to you. If you your pants one day, we all have. Yeah. Talk about that, bro. Hey, you know what pisses me off? I've been in the green room. I was in Las Vegas. Oh, shout out to my friend, um, Juan Garcia Chepo. He's awesome, bro. Dude, he was like four, at the Laugh Factory. You can take a comedy class. Like, do you know what? He took it at 14, 15. Oh, wow. Bro, at 21, he, he, he toured the nation. Oh, wow. Yeah, he's, I love Chepo. He's my boy. He's, we're the same age, but he's been in the game like 17 years. Something ridiculous, bro. Like, he's a full-time comic. Pays all his bills off of comedy. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful, man. Juan Garcia, check him out. Chepo, he's hilarious, bro. He, he puts me on game a lot. And we don't necessarily talk about jokes. We just talk about life and, and how to approach comedy, the business, how to how to brand yourself. You know, and he does get on me on certain stuff. But we're in the green room and with him and several times, not just him with him, but other comics. I mean, these guys are headliners, bro. They got specials out. Dude, you know, have a cadence. Be yourself. Don't talk about pussy jokes, pussy fart jokes, dick <laughs> jokes. Yeah. And then I see them on stage 20 minutes later. <laughs> <laughs> My little dick. I'm like, bro, just be funny. Yeah. Just be funny. Episode 22, Michael Passfar. 
What advice do you have for upcoming comedians? People who are just starting out, people who are thinking about doing it for the first time. Don't be afraid. Try it. I hear this all the time. Like people will be like, man, people tell me I'm funny. I should really get out there and try comedy. Well, you're lucky you're in DFW because we have a really great scene and we also have so many opportunities to get on stage every single night of the week. You can get on stage. I mean, I don't know if there's any open mics on Saturdays, but pretty much every other yeah. night you can get on stage and get on stage multiple times. Go up as much as possible and write, 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 write. Don't worry if things work out. Don't worry if you feel like you suck. We all suck. <laughs> I bomb. I'll bomb probably tomorrow. You know, like, <laughs> like, like things things happen. And, and so just keep doing it. Go up as much as you can. Find friends that are also doing comedy. Get like yourself a little comedy friend so you can run ideas by, you know, just go up every, it's just like anything else in life. You have to do it. The more you do it, the better you get it. I know that sounds so cheesy, it's but so that's true, the truth, yeah. you know? And the thing is, we only get to practice five minutes at a time, three minutes at a time. The other thing I always try to remind people, there's a lot of driving, <laughs> yeah. a, a lot of downtime. It's a lot of time sitting there watching unfunny people say unfunny things. Mm -hmm. And not that we're judgmental. It's just one of those things where we all suck at the beginning. Well, and honestly, even the comics that are working, they might suck at that open mic too because they're working material. Right. That's practice. It's just like anything else you go and watch. You go watch – Luca tomorrow and he's trying some new move that he's never done at practice. It's probably going to suck. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, and he's one of the best basketball players in, in, in the planet right now. It, so it's not necessarily, it, you're, you're going to an open mic for practice. Get on stage as much as you can. Yes, because you're trying to practice your material, but also because you're trying to practice that comfortableness on stage, right? The more comfortable you get on stage, the more comfortable the audience is going to be with you because you want it to feel like, you're watching a person, not some fake thing, right? And so when you get on stage and you're all tense and you're holding the microphone awkwardly and you're doing things like that, all of that comes across and it makes it for a worse and worse experience for an audience member. So if you can do little things like getting comfortable with the mic, you watch so many comics when they're first starting off, they'll do their set, they'll take the mic out of the mic stand and then they'll just keep the stand in front of them. And now there's a, a, a bar in front of your yeah. face you know, like little things like that. You have people that are playing with the core, doing different things like that. So getting on stage and just getting yourself familiar with being on stage is extremely helpful. Episode 23, Dave J. What advice do you have for up-and-coming comedians? I'm about a year in. I'm not very good. What would you say to somebody who's just starting out? Just do it as much as you can stomach. Do it all the time. The most important thing you can do is just do it, especially if you're new. If you're worried about anything else other than getting better at being on stage and writing jokes, then you're worried about the wrong things. I think if, you, if you're obsessed with your writing and if you're obsessed with figuring out your stage presence, then everything else will fall into place. You know, there's a lot of people who are not funny become very successful, but not for long. And that's just my, you know, what I observe. And the people who last and who matter are the people who are really genuinely good at being on stage. That doesn't mean being good about social media. It doesn't mean being good at, you know, networking. It means you're, you have to be good on stage. And I think that's, that should be the, your primary focus. And the thing that really attracted me to comedy or that kind of hooked me on it was that I spent my whole life trying to figure out how to make money. And I went to college because like, I'll, I'll make more money. I got a job because I'll, I'll make more money. Uh, you know, I work really hard. I get this promotion, then I'll make more money. But it, it's not like those things are my passion. Comedy is the only thing in my life ever where I only 
I, I, I only care about being good at it. It's the only thing that I've ever cared about being good at, actually. Uh, you know, besides being a father and being a husband, doing comedy is like, I just want to do it and be good at this thing, not because it will make me money. That's becoming more complicated as like time goes on and I and I'm, am making money doing it. And then you're like, well, how can I make more money doing it? <laughs> that becomes a problem. But you have to do it just because you want to be good at it. And yeah, like, I think the other thing too is like, whatever makes you laugh, try to make that funny on stage and don't worry about the back of the room. Like, it's fun for your peers to think that you're funny and for them to respect you, but nothing is more respected than somebody who can kill. And so for me, as a guy who started when I was 30 and I have a family, I talk about me and I talk about my kids and, you know, Austin's a pretty young scene nowadays because of the way that it's been blowing up and yada 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 and so it's a lot of young guys a lot of them talking about a lot of the same stuff everyone wants to talk about their dick everyone wants to talk about porn and whatever like do it that's fine but it, i think it, it's sometimes it's easy for me to feel like do i fit in because i'm up here like i'm like the old guy like i'm talking about like what it's like to be a dad and what it's like to uh, have a family and and, and all this stuff but if it's getting a laugh and it's something that like, connects to you personally and makes the audience care about you to me that's the highest form of doing this for my money the greatest of all time is chris rock i think there's nobody everything that anybody might say about why someone else is the greatest someone said this everything that everyone says about dave Chappelle is true about chris rock and it's because he is very funny, yes, but that's that's almost not even but everybody's funny. You know what I mean? There's a lot of funny dudes. There's a lot of dudes who are as funny as but the reason that he is in another class is because his jokes are elevated because he also is talking about things that are messagey and people are afraid of a message. They go, oh, I don't want to be the net or whatever her name is. And I'm like, well. Chris Rock is funny and he's making a point. So the joke is already inside of you. Like my favorite Chris Rock bits is from his most recent special where he goes, if you think you and your wife are equal, then go in your house and try to hang up a picture of your, of your mom. <laughs> that's, that's not even a joke. That's the beginning of the joke, but that idea. And he has a lot of that was like, like what's the value of being a man versus being a woman. If you took all the jokes out, it's like a profound thing to talk about, but he's funny and he makes a point, which I think makes him the most, the best, the highest version of this. So if you're trying to be that, then I think you're in good shape. But learn how to be funny, learn how to write a joke, then use those tools to figure out what you want to say. Episode 24, Dean Lewis. Because, you know, there's a phrase I use, hiding behind your material. People who are hiding behind their material. And that's what I think a lot of blue comic, a lot of, this is the reason people are dirty at first is it's so much easier to tell a sex joke than talk about how you're going through a divorce. It's so much easier to do some kind of body function thing versus talking about how you are going through something emotional. It's easy to hide behind your material. So that's my thing about The Voice. I'm sure other people would go, no, you're wrong. And, you know, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But that's just, that's been my lesson I've learned over time is from hanging out with great comics. On stage, they're just themselves. Yeah. It's the same person. Just, I mean, they have material that they've honed and everything, but it's just them exaggerated, heightened. They're just a little bit bigger version of that. So you don't have to create the, and that's why, you know, when I got started, everyone was like, it's going to take you five to seven years to get good, five to seven years to find your voice. Now, I don't think six months is when you're going to find all that stuff. But I think if you go up, you know, and we talked about how many open mics are in Dallas, 
if you go up two or three times a week and different clubs all the time don't have a home club, you know, people will have a home club and they get good at that room, but then they can't work anywhere else. That's a mistake. You know, do all the crap, but you're trying to find your voice. And one of the ways you can do it, no one does this, is after the show, hang out and talk to the audience. This is what Paul Varghese does. You know, he still does this today. When he's done, he'll say, hey, I'm going over to Pete's. It's closed now, but I'm going over to Pete's. You guys want to come over and have a drink? Come on. Or after the show, at the back door, he'll hang out and he'll have an audience of six or eight people. And he'll talk to people and get their emails. And I'm going to friend you. And yeah. But part of the thing is when you're talking to people after the show, I don't know exactly how to do it, but find out. You know, they're like, we love you. You go, oh, man, that means so much. Thank you. What, what did I do? What did you like? And if you start hearing this thing over and over and over again, like, you know, you do this crazy voice. I love that crazy voice. Now you're beginning. So that's you exaggerated. You got to use the crazy voice more on stage. And you've seen this, Ducky, how many people, headliners or features who come in from all over the country, and they just have this little thing they do that, you know, like Jim Gaffigan, for example, his thing is he self-heckles. Like he'll do like 10 bacon jokes and go, if this guy does one more bacon joke, we're going to leave. <laughs> I understand that. Here's another thing about bacon. Yeah. The audience's voice. Yeah. yeah voice of the audience. Yeah. So I, I think that, you know, if you want to do stand up, you've got to figure out what is it about you that's funny, not this pursuit of a voice. But again, I'm wrong because some people do like this guy you're talking about. He's cre- he's figured it out. Oh, I got to be stupid. You know, people love that. So he's playing that. But the other thing, here's the other thing about a voice. Can you do that for 50 years? You know, like George Carlin is... As an example. So when George Carlin started, you know, he was very middle of the road. He was actually part of a comedy team, but he was very middle of the road. And then he started getting into his hippie phase. So he was in his hippie phase and a lot of drug jokes and a lot of this and a lot of that. But then Bill Hicks, who was a great comic, he saw Bill Hicks. This is a famous story. Do you know this story? No. George Carlin saw Bill Hicks and he goes, you know what? I'm not tending to my garden. That was his phrase. He realized Hicks was very personal and was dark. Carlin never told a joke about his family. He was never personal. He was always an observational comic. And he stayed with that. But you can see, I can't think of the name of the special now, but there's one where he's doing his set in a graveyard. The set is a graveyard. (laughs) And it's dark. And he talks about auto-asphyxiation. And he talks about all these really dark topics. And he went really dark for a while. And then towards the end of his life, you know, he he just was, he kind of became the cranky old man. Yeah. Just complaining about everything. But he evolved, you know. And my point is, that 70s hippie guy, that wouldn't work in the 90s. He would have had a fan base who came to see it, but like like Andrew Dice Clay, you know, Megan King, great comic, she worked with him, and she said, yeah, his audience, you know, they expect that, you know, hickory dickory dock, yeah. the, the dirty things, because that's what he's famous for. But I didn't see the set, and it's not fair, and she didn't really say this, but I think he's just playing the greatest hits to, you know, he's a, I'm trying to think of a band that's like this, you know, he's the Rolling Stone. I don't think anyone is in their 20s at a Rolling Stone concert. It's all 60-year-olds. It totally makes sense. And when you say be yourself, my podcast, you saw at the beginning, like, hey, everybody, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. It's an, just an increased version of myself. Just and, and Yeah, that's all it is. And so that makes perfect sense. And there it is. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. If you enjoyed it, please head over to ImprovTX.com to check out all our upcoming shows at the Addison, Arlington, Houston, and San Antonio clubs. If you like this podcast, you might enjoy the other podcasts on the ImprovTX Comedy Network. We have The Act Out. From open mics to the big stage, comedians tell us the story they've made, where I talk to comedians from all over and chat about their journey this far. Also, check out the Black Dog Retro Arcade podcast. Straight from the arcade, we talk about how our favorite games were made. That's right, we're talking all that video game goodness. And finally, we have Quackin' Up, a storytelling podcast where we pick suggestions from a hat and tell stories based upon them. Once again, thank you so much for listening. Please check out our social media, all links in the description. And with that, we'll see you on the next one.